Well, it seems like the entire Christian church sometimes is devolving into progressive nonsense and not just the church, but the world at large. What do we make of all these crazy claims that we see circulating online? Like God is queer or Christians must be a slave to the climate agenda. What does all of this mean? How do we combat it as Christians? And why is the truth of God better? Why and how does the gospel actually have the answer for this chaos that we see, not just in the culture, but also in the professing church today? Father Calvin Robinson uh, is here today. He's one of your favorite guests, one of my favorite guests Two, he is going to react to some of these crazy things that we're hearing and seeing around the world and give us the proper biblical perspective on all of it. I know you'll love this conversation. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Father Calvin Robinson, thank you so much for joining us once again. How are things going across the pond? <laughs> things are going well with me, but over here, things are crazy. I don't know what's happening in the church. It seems to be doing everything it can to implode itself. But it's, it's a pleasure to be joining you on your show again. Yeah, there's some craziness that we're going to get into that we're going to get into today, to today that I want to get your response to. By the time this episode is coming out... A lot of people will have already seen these clips. Maybe not, though, but it's still worth commenting on because there's a new clip every week, it seems, of some ordained minister saying that they are representing Christ, representing Scripture, representing the gospel, and they're saying things. It's almost like it's a different language. I have no idea where they're getting this stuff. Okay, the first clip that I want to get you to react to um, is from over here in the United States. Anna Helgen, she's a female Lutheran pastor of Adena Community Lutheran Church in Minnesota. And she, in this video, is uh, reciting something called a sparkle creed. And I guess this is supposed to be representative of the mission of the particular congregation and church she's leading. So here she is giving her sparkle creed. Let us confess our faith today in the words of the sparkle creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. Okay, and we even had to cut some lines out of that so it's not too long. Can you like can you translate this for us? I'm I'm confused about what this has to do uh, with Christianity or the gospel at all. Are you sure this is a Christian pastor? I'm not entirely convinced this is the same faith that we practice. This is why the Latvian Lutherans reversed their decision to have female pastors because this is incorrect. <laughs> this is inappropriate. This is clearly an approach to be, you know, inclusive and bring people in. But the audacity of this woman to rewrite the creeds, the ecumenical creeds that were written by bishops that came together from around the world, united in faith to 
God against heresy. This woman is reversing all of that and creating a, her own heretical creeds. Um, I believe in a non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. First of all, there is no such thing as non-binary. We know this because the Bible says that God made man uh, and God made woman. God made us male and female. But the idea that God's, bi- God's pronouns are plural. When he told us his preferred pronouns, call me God the Father, and he, his son, his name is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, they are male figures. That's not denigrating women or females at all but it's saying that this is how god has told us to perceive him in a patriarchal manner as a protector as a provider rather than uh, nurturing and maternal and these are both good things but he's told us how to refer to him so the audacity the arrogance of this woman but you can see where this is coming from this is coming from the enemy she might not be on the enemy's side or knowingly but he she's been used by the enemy this love is love is love language we know is is a mutilation of the word love. It's a love that means desire, the devices and desires of our own hearts. It's a love that means lust and and things that I personally want or personally need. It's not the biblical love. It's not the godlike divine love, which is agape, which is a self-sacrificial love, which is a willing the good of the other. It's very, very different. And it's a it's actually a very dangerous terminology this love is love this cyclical um phrasing because actually it breaks down boundaries and barriers that are needed for love to thrive and this is why it's the enemy's work yes and this is just creating god in our own image when in fact god created us in his image he's the definer and the arbiter of all things and you mentioned how he refers to himself as father he refers to himself as king he refers to himself in these paternal and masculine uh terms and words even though he is i mean god is spirit he doesn't have a body like we do of course jesus christ is god made flesh but God doesn't have a body like we do. He does refer to himself at different parts of scripture as like a mother hen or a nursing mother when he's talking about like his love for Israel and his protection of Israel. But that does not mean that God is non-binary because again, that is trying to make God fit into these imaginary categories of so-called gender identity that humans have created when, as you said, he tells us who he is. He says, I am that I am. And he said he's a father to the fatherless. So we have to respect everyone's pronouns except when it comes to the God of the universe. When it comes to the God of the universe, we apparently have the authority to tell him how he's supposed to identify really in a way just to affirm our delusions about our own identity. Well, I mean, spot on. This is, again, it's all down to personal arrogance, isn't it? This woman is essentially trying to rewrite the faith and push her, project her own ideas onto God. And this is a very, very modern thing, isn't it? This is what we're always doing. We're looking at the scriptures and trying to bend them around our own ideals or trying to shape Christ around our own identity and trying to create gods of ourselves rather than look to the scriptures and shape our lives around them, look to Christ, shape our our lives around him and empty ourselves of our own personal will to be filled with the divine will of God, the Father. This is what we should be doing. But we are so arrogant and so self-centered that we want everything to fit into our own lives. And this is how we're making gods of ourselves. It always comes back to, to the beginning of the book, to, to Genesis itself, where we have 
the serpent whispering in our ears saying, did God really say that? You know, we can make gods of ourselves. We can eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why not? Why shouldn't we? We owe it to ourselves. We haven't learned a single lesson. Exactly. Exactly. It all goes back to the garden, exchanging the God of scripture for the God of self. The same thing that the first humans were tempted to do and fell into that temptation. We're still trying to do that today. Uh, She says, I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, which I don't think that she actually does. Their child who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads. So this part is what bothers me, obviously, is the inaccuracy. But it's a joke. It's kind of tongue in cheek. Like I think the person who created this so-called Sparkle Creed knows that Joseph and God, the father, were not in a relationship. Like this wasn't like some kind of homosexual union where they were raising a child together. And yet they use this, that he was of God, the father. And then Joseph was his, you know, uh, stand in earthly father to basically sanction the unity of two men in some kind of homosexual bond. And so it's blasphemous in that way too, not just because it's inaccurate, but it does seem like it's openly making fun of what we know about biblical truth and what we know about the history of Jesus. And so I'm not even sure if any of these people reciting this ridiculous creed are actually taking it seriously. I mean, here's my question, I guess, is why do people like this who clearly... I mean, they think that the Bible is not good enough. They think it's, you know, maybe incomplete or archaic or whatever. They're making God into their own image. Like, why do you think they even waste time either going to seminary or going to church on Sunday if you're going to create this completely vapid and worldly set of beliefs? Because it makes them feel good. And it's all about how they feel. Everything today is about feelings, emotions, isn't it? It's nothing to do with facts. It's nothing to do with faith. It's about their own personal feeling good. They've turned up to church, so they feel good about it. And this pastor, she is the worst because she is a wolf in sheep's clothing, leading these sheep to to damnation, essentially. She's leading souls to hell. And having people recite this blasphemous creed is a prime example of that. And you're right, the whole idea of of Jesus Christ having two dads, it's painted in a blasphemous way as almost hetero, um, homoerotic. And it's disregarding Christ's mother. It's disregarding Mary, who was the tabernacle for for God, you know, the the God bearer, the, the Theotokos, and just pushing her out of the picture. So in order to appear inclusive to the homosexual community she's actually denigrating women and womanhood and motherhood um, mm-hmm. so you can, this is why we should stick to the scriptures and not try to reshape them because when you try to include something by adding something you're removing something accidentally these things are um mutually exclusive it's i'm, yeah. I'm absolutely shocked that not only was she preaching this that so many people were following along Yes. She says that the saints of God are as resilient and creative as patches on the AIDS quilt, whatever that means. She also included uh, a reference to Taylor Swift and being a Taylor (laughs) Swift fan. So there's just a lot going on here. Okay, y'all, I love Cozy Earth so much. I love their bedding. I love their towels. Recently, I just got a bunch of new Cozy Earth towels and I threw out a lot of our old towels. Some of them I've had like since college. So it was time. 
it was time to grow up and get real adult towels. And I'm so glad that I did because Cozy Earth, the quality of their stuff, not just their towels, but also their sheets, their blankets, their loungewear, it's really unmatched. I absolutely love all of their stuff. I think everything that they have makes really great wedding presents. Like if you wanna get someone a really high quality, long lasting wedding present, get them a set of towels from Cozy Earth or get them sheets from Cozy Earth. Like that's something that they're going to use every day. They're going to be really thankful for. And it can make a difference like in the comfort of your life. I also just got a bunch of new Cozy Earth bedding for our gastron. That's how much I genuinely love it. And I know you guys will love it too. So go to CozyEarth.com slash Allie. Use code RELATABLE at checkout for 35% off. So 35% off your order at CozyEarth.com slash Allie. Promo code RELATABLE. CozyEarth.com slash Allie. Code RELATABLE. The regional body of the ELCA made national news in May of 2021 after electing the first openly transgender bishop in the progressive denominations history. And so I'm not sure. I mean, it seems like denominations like this, they don't have a long shelf life because eventually I think people do start asking themselves, wait, why am I here? Sure, this feels good, but it's not offering me anything different than what I see on MSNBC. I mean, if you want community, you can just go to brunch. So it seems like these kind of denominations that let the word of God go by the wayside, they eventually crumble because they don't have a solid foundation. I hope so. I think they also crumble because God will not be mocked. And this is exactly what they're doing. They're Mm. mocking God. And church should be challenging. Church isn't easy. Church isn't a club. It isn't a brunch club or, or a lunch club. It isn't a place for just community. It is a place of community, but it's a community centered on Christ. And if it's not centered on Christ, again, it's centered on ourselves, on our individualism. It becomes selfish and it becomes idolatrous. The church itself becomes an idol or we become an idol. And that is going against the the first commandments. So all these people need to do is ask themselves, am I being challenged and am I meeting Christ? And if they're not meeting those two criteria, they need to step out of this church and go towards a mainline church. Yes. Okay. Um, in Germany, there was a pastor, Quentin <laughs> Caesar, and uh, he will be speaking in German. So for those of you who are listening and not watching, I can translate after. Um, but uh, he has this to say about God in front of an audience. Jetzt ist die Zeit zu sagen, wir sind alle die letzte Generation. Jetzt ist die Zeit zu sagen, Black Lives Always Matter. Jetzt ist die Zeit zu sagen, Gott ist queer. Okay, God is queer, Black Lives Always Matter. We're part of the last generation. I don't really know what that means, the last generation. Um, I saw your take on Twitter about this. What do you What do you have to say about this, teacher? We have another false teacher. We've got another wolf yeah. in sheep's clothing. The Bible warns us so strongly about these people. These people are going to be punished so severely unless they repent because they're le- it's not just them that's in, at risk here. They're leading other souls to damnation. God is not queer. Why would anyone suggest that God is queer? What does queer mean in this context? And as for you know, Black Lives Matter, this motto that is divisive, it's a horrible 
um, take from the critical race theory ideology, which is you know essentially a neo-Marxism that separates us all down to black people being victims and white people being oppressors. And the, the Christian message is simpler than that. The Christian message is there is neither Jew nor Greek. We are all one in Christ. So Black Lives Matter doesn't make any sense. What we should say is that all human lives matter because all life is sacred. And that's a pro-life movement that I can get behind. The idea of separating us down to our skin color is toxic and divisive. And that's what this chap seems to be doing. Yeah. And I just, my producer just told me that the last generation is a reference to the far left green extremist activist group. Uh, the last generation, the group that blocks the highways in Germany to protest supposed looming Armageddon of climate change. And just speaking of that, that's not really what we're talking about. Did you see that Greta Thunberg tweet that was going around that was from five years ago, 2018, where she said, if we don't get it together, that in five years, we are going to be wiped out. We've been hearing these things for a very long time because it has kind of become a religious idol. It's become kind of this cult-like thing. You know, people that you identify as being in these crazy cults, they always have these wild eschatological ideas about when the end time is coming. It's always, you know, very imminent for a variety of reasons. Well, the climate cult is pretty similar to that. I mean, they've been guessing the end days for a long time. This guy says that they're in the last generation. So that's another strange part of this so-called, paradoxically called progressive Christianity is the climate worship too. Oh, massively so. They worship Gaia. This is a doomsday cult. The world is going to end unless we do something about it now, this climate extremism and this climate so-called crisis. But of course, as Christians, we're called to be stewards of the earth. The earth is there for us, God's creation. We are here to tend to it, to look after it, but it's here for us. So this idea that we should be reducing the number of human beings on the planet in order to save the planet is bonkers because without us, there is no point in the planet. You know, the animals are here for, for our enjoyment and to feed us. The plants are here to likewise so they've got things upside down and the way that they worship gaia and um, literally with her cathedrals with with big gaia monuments in recently is it's becoming overt but a lot of this is coming and you know there's a guy we've just been talking about coming from germany why does all heresy seem to start in Germany? You know, a lot of the heresy around the Protestant movement began in Germany. Um, and same with the Roman Catholics. We've got the, their bishops out there now pushing for female uh, priests and bishops and for approval of gay marriage and all kinds of things that go against the scriptures. There's something really, really wicked at the heart of Germany. I don't know what it is. Mm, that's really interesting. And I've heard other theories like that, too. They're just very progressive in a lot of ways. Um, I always like to reference this. I like to reference this first because the climate issue, I think, is something that Christians also get um, hung up on. Like, how are we really supposed to think about this? But you made the distinction beautifully, which, yes, we are supposed to steward the earth. We care about creation. We care about animals. We're kind to animals. We do the best that we can to steward responsibly the resources that we have. But we also don't believe in this climate doom and gloom that, you know, cow emissions are going to be like what thwarts the power of God and finally ends the earth. I like to read Genesis 8, 22, that says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. I mean, that's it for me. Not that, again, I don't have to be responsible with the resources that I have, but I do believe in a God who is authoritative over all of creation. And he promised me all the way back in Genesis 8 that these things are not going to cease. These things are not going to end until he says so. So it's a balance there. 
being responsible with what we have and loving the creation that God has made without buying into this paranoia, which is really just siphoning off power to the people who want to control our lives and don't actually care about the climate at all. Oh, it is down to power. If you look at the the messages they're sending, the, the idea, like you mentioned, that cows are exhuming more CO2 than their man-made infrastructure. We know that to be a nonsense, but they're cutting down on farmers and they're culling cows as well as other areas of agriculture. And, and that seems to be counterintuitive because nature is there for us and we are there for nature. And it, it's a cycle that supports each other. So cows produce milk that we can drink and, and beef that we can eat. And that's a good thing. And they're, they're contributing CO2 that we need in the air. That's a good thing. Whereas maybe private jets to Davos to the World Economic Forum is not a good thing. And we can cut down on that instead. But the priorities are upside down because there's a lot of money to be made from the net zero scam. Uh, this whole idea that we should go down to carbon emissions of zero by 2030. First of all, it doesn't practically work, but it means more taxation for the common folk. And that while the elite managed to have fun and live the high life. And I, I went out to Davos to the World Economic Forum this year and I spent about 20 minutes with Greta Thunberg. She had absolutely nothing of any interest to say without her approved narrative in front of her, without a script of bullet points to read from, she had nothing to contribute to the conversation. Let me tell you all about Seven Weeks Coffee. I love this company. One, because I love coffee and it's really good coffee. But two, and actually most importantly, because I care about babies inside the womb and saving their lives. The reason why this company is called Seven Weeks Coffee is because at seven weeks gestation, that baby is the size of a coffee bean. They started this company in order to support pregnancy centers. Pregnancy centers are saving babies' lives by providing free resources, free ultrasounds, all kinds of support for moms and and dads and their babies. So far this year, they've raised over $100,000. They're now supporting over 500 centers because of people like you buying their coffee from Seven Weeks Coffee. Ditch the companies that hate you and go ahead and support Seven Weeks Coffee, support moms and their babies, and also get really, really good coffee while you're at it. You can use my promo code Allie at sevenweekscoffee.com to save 10% on your order. Use code Allie to save 10% off your order at sevenweekscoffee.com, sevenweekscoffee.com, code Allie. There's another church uh, in Bristol who invited the climate choir. This is a climate choir. Wow. There's something for everyone. And they were invited uh, by uh, Reverend Canon Johnny Parkin, the Canon Missioner at Bristol Cathedral. And uh, here they are singing their climate ballad. Wow, that's really scary. <laughs> if people aren't watching, uh, the squire is dressed in like head to toe, all red garb, almost like a geisha-like painting on their face, all white. And then you can hear them say, I don't even know what they said towards the end. We cannot tell our children that we have not tried. A lot of older people, too, seem to be latching on to this. I don't know. What do you make of a display like this? 
it's difficult not to fall into ad hominems when seeing this display because it is bizarre and these people are bizarre. But th- my first question was, what religion is this? Because it looks liturgical. They're in some kind of vestments, yeah, these red outfits. Uh, it looks like a cult, but it, they're practicing it in Bristol Cathedral. So they've been invited in. And this is Extinction Rebellion uh, or Extremist Rebellion, as I call them. But, but they are showing that the climate cult is truly a cult. And these believers, they have their own hymns, for goodness sake. They, they're in a church. Yeah. They've got hymns. They've got vestments. The only thing missing is some kind of sacrifice, which I hope never comes. Yeah. Okay. Church of England, which you're familiar with, uh, hires a trans archdeacon, has appointed the first transgender archdeacon in a move hailed by LGBT plus campaigners as a beacon of light and hope. Reverend Canon Dr. Rachel Mann has been appointed Archdeacon of Bolton and Salford is now believed to be the most senior trans member of the clergy within the church. Um, what do you make of this direction? Oh, dear. So this fellow, Nick Mann, has been promoted to the position of Archdeacon, which is a great shame because it shows that the Church of England is affirming this trans ideology, this idea that a man can become a woman and a woman can become a man because your sex is nothing more than how you feel. We know that to be untrue from the scriptures. Again, we can go to Genesis and see that God made us male and female for a purpose, but we can also know that there are differences between men and women, and this is God-ordained. We are complementary. We're not equal. We're not the same. We are different, but we work together men tend to be faster more more athletic stronger therefore they're protectors and providers women tend to be more nurturing and more emotionally intelligent and they tend to be more maternal and therefore look after children these are both very very good things these are spiritually good things that are for the promotion of mankind uh, for all of us as a species so to get denigrated to the point that uh, to become a woman just means wearing lipstick and a dress is is a, making a nonsense of women. It's a caricature. It's a, it's an it's an offensive uh, caricature of what a woman is and what it means to be a woman. And they're promoting this this man, Nick Nick Mann, ironic name there, uh, and pre- pretending that he is a woman. It's a false gospel that they're preaching. There is no such thing as trans. And you know, if you look at some of the work he's produced, he's written prayers, uh, Holy God, chuckling wise woman. Tender and strange, we bless you. Bless us, trouble us, bewitch us into delight in your Mm. love, mercy, and grace. Christ, our sister, unite us in your holy bleeding. I can't even read on because it's just, it's offensive. It's blasphemous. And they're promoting this chap. And I wonder why, I mean, because the Church of England or any of these entities, they could just say no. Even if privately they said, you know what, people can just live how they want to live. They can identify how they want to identify. But this is very basic and fundamental. We're not talking about some secondary or tertiary, like theological disagreement. I mean, we're talking about the first chapter of the first book of the Bible that they are now denying is real. As you said, they're assenting to this idea that a man can become a woman and vice versa. So is it, do you think that there is outside pressure? Do you think that the leadership within the Church of England actually really actively believes this? I mean, because they could just say, you're, you know, sure, you're accepted in the church, but we're not going to let you ascend to this place of leadership. And yet they, they have, they had the option not to, and yet they did. So, like, what's pushing this? Is it just total deceit or is there something else going on? They're captured, unfortunately. The leadership is captured. There are many, many good Christians in the Church of England, both in the laity and in the clergy. But the hierarchy is captured. The House of Bishops, the vast majority of them are what I would call liberal progressives, but not truly liberal. You know, just 
woke essentially and they believe this stuff and if they don't believe it they don't want to offend people that do believe this stuff but they can just say no you know i've had my battles with the c of e um, i don't believe in critical race theory gender theory or queer theory and i made that very clear that i'm christian i'm not a liberal yeah i think you can only be christian or a liberal i made it clear that i'm a christian they would call me conservative but I was pushed out. They said, Ooh, that's a bit offensive. You know, people today can't be told that, you know, there's no such thing as systemic racism and or that uh, you're born a man and you're born a woman. That, and that is it. And you are your body. You are your soul. And God loves you the way you are. You can't say that. That's offensive. However, they're pushing the opposite and pushing the idea that you can say that, okay, yeah, the reason that black people are held back in society is because society is racist against them and that a man can become a woman, a woman can become a man just by self-identifying as such. And that's all it takes. So they are making a choice, a very active choice, to go with the liberal progressive woke narrative and go against the Christian faith, the teachings that we've always known to be true for the last 2,000 years, and the faith once delivered uh, to, to the apostles, and it's a great shame. All right, let me tell y'all about Range Leather. So Kylie and Bailey started Range Leather from their kitchen table with the goal of making leather goods that last. And so this is all made in Laramie, Wyoming. And it is really, really high quality stuff. I've got a bag from Range Leather. I've got a wallet. I've got uh, different earrings. I've got all kinds of stuff from Range Leather because I really like it. It's super cute, but it's also, I think most importantly, really high quality and really does last. Um, I got my husband a wallet for Father's Day from Range Leather. We love their stuff. We love that it's a family company that aligns with our values. If you're looking for like really high quality gifts, whether you're looking for like a wedding gift or maybe like bridesmaid, groomsman gifts or something like that, for really any occasion, you should check out rangeleather.com. You can use code Allie for 15% off your first order. Rangeleather.com. Use code Allie for 15% off your first order. Rangeleather.com. Code Allie. And as you mentioned earlier, um, the peril here is not just their own souls. It's also the souls of the people that they're shepherding, that they're leading. I think it's the book of James. You'd probably be able to tell me the exact reference that says that teachers are actually held to a higher standard or not everyone should aspire to be a teacher because you're held to a higher standard. And I understand you've got a big responsibility there because you are taking responsibility of a flock. If we think about it like a shepherd and a flock, you've got to know the terrain. You've got to know where you're going. You've got to know, uh, you've got to know what the threats are that you're up against. You have to protect the flock from wolves. And yet these shepherds have become the wolves themselves. I just can't imagine that God is going to have very much tolerance for this kind of thing for very long. That's a good word. Yes, God doesn't have tolerance, doesn't have tolerance for evil, doesn't have tolerance for sin. Um, and we, this, this has become the new creed that would preach tolerance, diversity, inclusion, and equality. These aren't Christian values. They're not virtues of the faith. Uh, faith, faith, hope, and love are the Christian virtues. But where the New, the new Testament isn't as wrathful as the Old Testament, but where it is wrathful, where God shows that he is intolerant in two major areas in the New Testament are on harming children or leading children into sin and on leading his sheep, his flock into sin. So false teachers and people who cause children to sin 
are going to feel the the wrath of God. This is what the New Testament teaches us. And so this movement is doing both. This trans movement is doing both. People who are calling themselves leaders in the church, who are affirming the trans ideology, are leading the flock astray, but they're also potentially harming children because this has been pushed in Church of England schools um, against government guidance. It's been pushed that children can change their identity. And actually, at the moment, we're having a, a real battle in our politics because this is happening without the approval or consent or even conversation with parents. And so teachers who aren't yeah. trained in biology or who aren't trained in the trans uh, movement are, say, are affirming young children and allowing them to change gender, socially transition, without parents knowing. It's, it's a risk to child safety. It's a safeguarding concern, but it's been pushed by the church. So these people are going to be judged mm. very, very harshly. Yes, and it was James 3, 1. Not many of you should become teachers, brothers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, which should rightly and righteously, I think, put the fear of God and humble a lot of people who do become teachers because they like the feeling of importance or they like the prominence. But again, as we said, they exchange the God of scripture for the God of self. They actually see themselves as the final authority, not God's word, or they want cultural relevance or whatever it is. Um, speaking of that gender issue, obviously we have the same issue, maybe even worse in the United States. It's currently just a bill right now, but it's probably going to pass and be signed by Gavin Newsom in the state of California um, that threatens parental custody if they will not affirm so-called their child's stated identity. One of the legislators who was arguing for this bill uh, used an example of her own child, and she used a seven-year-old in her example. So we're talking about a, like a six, seven-year-old child, maybe five, maybe younger than that. Who knows? I guess covered in this bill could even be toddlers who say that they're the opposite sex. And if the school or a counselor or, I don't know, the doctor's office catches wind that the parent is skeptical of their toddler's so-called gender identity, that parent can lose custody and possibly face criminal charges in the state of California. Um, and as you said, if anyone should be speaking up about this kind of thing, it should be the church. I mean, we have the clear answer to the qu to questions like this. What is gender? What is the family? Who's in charge? And the first chapter of the first book of the Bible. And yet you have some professing Christians cheering it on. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty scary time, but it also tells us that we who are on the side of sanity really have to be relentless in speaking up. Oh, absolutely. I think this is actually the greatest evil. And I think it's darker than it seems on the surface because the idea is that children can consent. It's the idea that children can make up their minds about yeah. what gender they are and make life-altering decisions at such an early age when we wouldn't ask a child to decide their own bedtime. We wouldn't ask a child most of the time to d decide what they're going to wear today. But we're going to ask them at an early age what sex they think they are and then potentially put them on chemical castration, which we call puberty blockers, uh, and potentially mutilate their bodies, altering them for life. And what this comes down to, I think, isn't just that child. It is, and it isn't just the idea of trans. This is a darker movement. What we're doing here is saying that children can consent because once we, once we've come to a point where we say children can consent and make life-altering decisions like this and we look further in the trans movement where we see terminology like all children are sexual and have sexual rights from the beginning and this is in the un convention for goodness sake then we get to a point where, where people start to say well why can't children consent to having sex if they're sexual beings right. and they can consent to life-altering decisions why can't they a lot of this leads down a very very dark path 
Yeah. And I think we're already seeing we're I mean, we're already seeing where that is, especially in the United States, maybe there in the UK, too. But with uh, these pride celebrations in the month of June and some of the books being made available to kids at schools, it's very overt. It is the sexualization of children that seems to go hand in hand with causing a child to think about their identity and if it matches their body and all of these things. I mean, strangers or someone who is not their parents don't need to be talking to kids about sex. They don't need to be talking to kids about things that have to do with their genitalia. And it's evil. It is evil for the state to pretend that they not only know better for your child, but that they actually care about your child more than they do. They don't know your child's name. They don't know your child's birthday. They don't care about what your child's favorite food is. They're not the ones waking up at night when your child wakes up from a bad dream. They weren't there when your child was born, when the doctor laid that child on your chest. They don't love your child, and yet they are willing to to cause you to forfeit your rights if you do not say that your child is the opposite sex and, you know, that they should be put on puberty blockers. I mean, that is, that is like, honestly, it is hard for me to think of anything more wicked than that. Yeah. And this is why I think Marxism is a technique of the devil because it's pushing children onto the state. It's saying, actually, children aren't the responsibility of their parents. Children aren't a blessing from God for parents to look after. Children belong to the state. It's up to the state to decide what's right for children. And it does that via schools. It does that via indoctrination. And it's they've taken ownership. But this is what the Marxist movement pushes. It takes children away from their parents and puts them into the state because that's how you break down our way of life. That's how you break down our family. That's how you break down our faith. And essentially, once you've destroyed the faith of the family, you've destroyed Western civilization. And that is why I think it's off the enemy. All right, let me tell you all about Patriot Mobile. This is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. This is just another opportunity for us to spend money in a way that actually aligns with our values. We all have a wireless provider. We might as well have a wireless provider that does great work, provides excellent customer service, all US-based, by the way, and is fighting for the things that you and I believe in rather than against the things that you and I believe in. You will love you will love using Patriot Mobile and their service. They're just great people that really, really do just align with our values. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie. Get free activation today. Patriotmobile.com slash Allie and use offer code Allie for free activation. Patriotmobile.com slash Allie. Code Allie. Patriotmobile.com slash Allie. One more thing that's always a debate here, and I I guess it's also a debate in the UK, although I don't hear about it quite as much going on over there, but it's something that you wrote about recently, this terrible story of a woman who ordered abortion pills to kill the child inside her womb while she was eight months pregnant. The legal limit for abortion in the UK is 24 weeks, which is very liberal. It's very late. That's well into the second trimester, almost third trimester. That's uh, viability, usually when a child has a very good chance of living outside of the womb. Um, And she she went to prison because of this. And you had activists over there saying what a travesty it is. Not that her child died so brutally, but that she was punished for killing her child. So tell me a little bit about what's going on with the abortion debate over there. 
Yeah, this is a tough one because we haven't had a conversation around abortion over here for a long, long time. It's been seen as a settled matter, which is a great shame. But thanks to the Roe v. Wade situation over there, it, it has entered our lexicon again. Mm-hmm. And as of this latest instance, what we've seen is that a woman broke the law, fraudulently broke the law. She ordered pills by post to kill her baby after the legal limit. And I think I don't think we should have pills by post anyway. I don't. First of all, I don't think abortion should exist. But if it does exist, it's a situation for a woman, for a mother and child, to be at the doctor's with a with a medical professional rather than just receiving something by the post. That's that's terrible. But she faked the limit of her pregnancy. And she was past, she was about eight months, which is two to three months past the legal limit. Uh, So she broke the law. So she felt the punishment of the law and the consequences of the law. And then activists are saying, well, someone has gone to prison for having an abortion. Therefore, we should decriminalize abortion. And that's completely the wrong argument. If if you are arguing that there should be a, a legal abortion in this country and that there should be a legal limit in this country, then there has to be consequences of that, uh, of breaking that act. But what we're seeing here is that actually people are being wakened up by this. People, People's eyes are being opened by this because they're saying, you know, I know people that have been premature um, much earlier than eight months and they've lived fulfilled lives, very, very happy lives. And they are people, they are human beings. This is a baby that she killed. And people don't need to see the graphic evidence of what happens when an eight month old ba- um, baby dies to understand that it's wrong. So I think people are starting to question, well, should abortion be happening? And in the UK right now, we're up to over 200,000 abortions every year. There have been 10 million abortions since it was legalized in this country. It cannot be that every single one of those is an extreme circumstance, as the as the pro-choice lobby right. likes to put forward. It cannot be. It's a convenience, and we need to prevent it. Right. And we're told that these late-term abortions never, ever happen that it's impossible, that it only happens in these very extreme situations where it's necessary. Well, it's it's not necessary. The solution, if there's a problem with the pregnancy or if the health of the baby or the mother is on the line, you deliver that baby. Either way, the baby is going to be delivered. The only question is whether that baby is going to be delivered dead or alive. And this woman, very yeah. sadly, very tragically, for whatever reason she thought that she had, she ended the life of her child. And while I think that abortion shouldn't exist too. I mean, if you fall outside of the legal limits, you've committed a crime. And of course, there should be a punishment for that crime. And I hope that this woman repents. I hope that she finds Christ. I hope that she finds healing. Absolutely. Um, But of course, justice and recognizing the dignity of this life that was taken does require a punishment from the justice system doesn't surprise me. But it is a shame that a lot of people don't seem to understand that in the so-called social justice world. Um, All right, Father, is there any last word that you can leave us on? Leave us on some hope and encouragement because we just talked about a bunch of depressing things. Yeah, well, I think the hope that comes from this particular situation is that we're having the conversation again. And people are saying, well, what is the limit? And why do we have that limit? And it seems very arbitrary. 24 24 weeks, what what does that mean? And people are saying, well, if it was a baby that she killed, then is it not always a baby? When does it become life? And obviously there are two suggestions. One is it becomes life uh, when it's born, Uh, but people are saying, well, no, it's clearly a baby before it's born. Therefore, the other suggestion is it becomes life at conception, which is what I would believe, which is what the faith would teach. And therefore, if more more and more people are realizing from this horrible situation that actually 
babies are babies and they are human beings from the moment they are conceived they are alive and they are a life and they are separate from the woman from the mother's life and this is not a my body my choice situation because it's not the mother's body it's a body within her body that we're talking about if more people are becoming open to the idea which i think they are because of this terrible situation then we can have a conversation about should we remove that legal limit on abortion should we get rid of abortion entirely do we need abortion in a civilized society i don't think we do i think it's infanticide so i'm glad we're uh, the hope that this brings me is that we're having the conversation and people are opening their eyes to the idea of, of we should not be killing babies so there's hope in that yeah. Yes. And there's hope in all the things that we talked about today that it might seem like, oh my gosh, even the professing Christian church is going to hell in a handbasket. But first of all, God is sovereign. He maintains his His remnant. He maintains his church. He knows who are his and the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And there is still Christians every day advancing God's kingdom, sharing the gospel, standing for truth in the midst of persecution, even in parts of the world, in the face of martyrdom. And God's work doesn't always make headlines, but it is always happening. God's eternal plan of redemption is always going off without a hitch. And there's no crazy Lutheran minister or any crazy <laughs> climate activist that could even change that a scintilla or for a second. So um, thank you for the work that you do too and pushing what is good and right and true. God is using you in incredible ways. Um, how can people follow you, watch you, hear more of your commentary? Um, I have a TV show on GB News at 7 p.m. on Saturdays. But if you're not in the UK, just go to calvinrobinson.com. My Twitter, my Facebook, my Substack links are all on there. And there's a YouTube link to our show that you can watch online if you're not in the UK. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ali. God bless. Keep fighting the good fight. Thank you.